the simple question restaurant and bar servers should be asking. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins and Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins and Lacey Defense Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. What is the innocuous question employees serving alcohol should be asking their customers? Collins and Lacey President Christian Stegmeyer has a new detailed blog on just this subject, and he joins us with the first in a series Well, the simple innocuous question that servers arguably should be asking is, what have you all been up to tonight? But there's a lot that goes into explaining why uh, we're uh, suggesting that question be asked. Uh, What I want to do during the next three weeks is go over uh, the law of alcohol liability in South Carolina, specifically as it relates to the new or should have known standard uh, that's been created by our case law, which necessitates extra vigilance by permit holders. So to begin, let's start with the basics. Understanding the parameters of what constitutes the safe service of alcohol in South Carolina uh, can be a tricky thing. That's because South Carolina does not have dram shop laws. Now, this is where I would suggest as a program note, uh, the General Assembly really should enact dram shop statutes. But getting back to the main topic, alcohol liability in South Carolina is a case law created beast that intertwines criminal statutes found in Title 61 with a negligence-based theory. And understanding the amalgamation created by the case law and developing training to account for it can be a challenging thing for permit holders, to say the least. So let's talk about what the law is. To sum up, Third-party commercial alcohol liability in South Carolina is established if the plaintiff can demonstrate the permit holder's service to an intoxicated guest. Our case law holds a jury may infer intoxication at the time of service if a toxicologist retained by the plaintiff can show through either retrograde extrapolation or by counting drinks that the tortfeasor driver who allegedly caused the injury to a third party possessed a a blood alcohol content of 0.08 or above at the time of service. Moreover, and this is important, visible intoxication is not the standard or an absolute defense in this state. Instead, our standard for permit holders is whether a server knew or should have known that he or she was serving an intoxicated guest. And this is the key factor for permit holders to understand and embrace. Our alcohol liability is premised upon the case law, and probably the most important case to know and understand in South Carolina is Hartfield versus Getaway Lounge. In this case, Hartfield is the case that establishes the standard for alcohol liability in the state. In Hartfield, uh, the South Carolina Supreme Court in 2010 upheld a $10 million verdict awarded to a passenger who was seriously injured after the vehicle he was riding in collided with a car driven by a getaway lounge patron. At trial, the plaintiffs established that Hoyt Helton, 
had visited a number of bars on the night of the crash, including the Getaway Lounge. The Getaway Lounge was Helton's second stop that night. Testimony revealed that Helton had at least three beers at the Getaway Lounge, and an additional testimony elicited, supported that at least uh, created the influence that Helton had consumed some beer prior to his visit at the Getaway Lounge. And that was important testimony. And I got that from the bartender. Shortly after leaving his third and final stop at the Carolina Drive-In, wherein there was no evidence of any additional alcohol consumption while there, Helton collided with a car occupied by the plaintiff, John Hartfield, who was then 18. Helton died at the scene, and Hartfield was seriously injured. Hartfield spent approximately 10 months in the hospital following the accident, six months of which he was in a coma. And today, he still requires care, wears a leg brace, is unable to drive, and has problems with short-term memory. So, to say the least, this was a serious accident. The Highway Patrol investigated the accident, and fluid samples revealed that Helton's blood alcohol level was at .212 at the time of the collision. So that's nearly three times the legal limit. And at trial, using retrograde extrapolation, plaintiff's toxicology expert estimated Helton's approximate BAC during the time he was at the getaway lounge was between .18 and .2. So that's at least twice the, uh, the legal limit and that Helton would have been grossly intoxicated and exhibiting symptoms of intoxication while at the bar. The inference from the expert's testimony was that the getaway lounge either knew or should have known Helton was intoxicated at the time the bar served him beer. Now keep in mind, that's in combination with the bartender testimony talking about that she had known that Helton had been somewhere else or likely been somewhere else prior to his visit to the getaway lounge. Ultimately, the jury returned a verdict for Hartfield for $8 million and then $2 million for his father. The bar attacked the trial court's use of the criminal statutory inference concerning intoxication, which is used in DUI prosecutions. At trial, the judge directed the jury to determine if it was established at the time alcohol was served to Helton that he was intoxicated. The trial court further advised the jury the law creates a permissive inference that a person is under the influence of alcohol when that person has a blood alcohol level of 0.1. Now it's 0.08, but it was 0.1 at the time the case was tried. Again, as established through plaintiff's expert testimony, Helton was alleged to have had a BAC between 0.18 and 0.2 while at the getaway lounge. On appeal, the Supreme Court concluded the jury could consider whether Helton was under the influence of alcohol at the time of the accident to determine the existence of his intoxication while at the getaway lounge. Reasoning that since South Carolina's civil alcohol liability is predicated upon criminal statutes, the court determined it's permissible for a trial judge to charge a jury on the permissible influence of intoxication under those criminal statutes. And to put it more plainly, a plaintiff in a similar case is able to establish intoxication by demonstrating the allegedly intoxicated person possessed a BAC of .08 or greater which is the current standard for showing a person to be under the influence in the criminal context. Furthermore, the Supreme Court disregarded the bar's argument the plaintiffs were, requ- were required to demonstrate Helton was visibly intoxicated at the time of the bar's service of alcohol to him. The court held that Section 614580 requires no such tr- showing at trial. The statute only indicates that a permanent holder shall not knowingly sell beer or wine to an intoxicated person. 
Thus, if a permit holder knows a patron has consumed alcohol prior to entering the permit holder's establishment, that knowledge can ultimately be used to demonstrate the permit holder knowingly sold alcohol to an intoxicated person. The fact that the patron didn't look intoxicated at the time of sale is not a safety net for the permit holder. And this is really, really important because in most jurisdictions where there are dram shop statutes, the standard is visible intoxication. That is not the standard in South Carolina. Now, finally, the Supreme Court upheld a language within the jury charge which stated that the defendants could be liable if they knew or should have known Helton was intoxicated at the time of their service of alcohol to him. The court held that knew or should have known is an articulation of the objective reasonable person standard that is the underpinning of every negligence action prosecuted in South Carolina. So that's important, too, as well, to understand that prosecution of this case does have a negligence-based tone and tenor to it. Thus, if a permit holder possesses information or makes observation that would lead a jury to think that a permit holder should have known or did know a patron was intoxicated at the time of service, such evidence is likely admissible and can be used to establish liability. The difference between visible intoxication standard and the new or should have known standard is fundamentally important for permit holders to understand. That's because the threshold for recovery against a permit holder is so much lower under the new or should have known standard. As we've noted, unlike most states, South Carolina does not have dram shop statutes. Dram shop statutes are civil statutes, which create a private right of action for injured third parties against a person who caused the injury, as well as the establishment that sold him or her the, the alcohol. Most states in the United States have the dram, have dram shop statutes and they observe the visible intoxication standard. This means the key to suing under dram shop laws is establishing that the server sold alcohol to someone who was already visibly intoxicated. Now, for instance, in New Jersey, that, that law defines visible intoxication as a state of intoxication accompanied by a perceptible act or series of acts which present clear signs of intoxication. Again, while that might be present in this state, and that you can state that there is a lack of any sort of sign of intoxication as a defense, it's neither the standard nor is it an absolute defense in this state. What makes the new or should have known standard so difficult for permit holders in South Carolina is that someone at a .08 BAC isn't always perceptible especially in instances where a guest has just come into establishment and has only ordered a drink or two. In other words, the guest hasn't been in that one establishment all evening ordering drink after drink. Now, in that instance, the server should be counting drinks and measuring that service against the time the guest has been at the establishment. Now, absent some sort of investigation by the server regarding prior activities of that guest that has just come in, Many people don't demonstrate any signs of intoxication at 0.08 BAC and arguably at any point less than 0.15 BAC due to gender, height, weight, experience with alcohol. Hence, there's a challenge for South Carolina permit holders uh, that are trying to serve alcohol safely at their respective establishments. 
So that ends the uh, first part of our three-part series on this uh, matter as it relates to new or should have known. Uh, we're going to talk next time about the absolute necessity for training of servers by permit holders on the new or should have known standard. We appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you tuning in, and, and thank you as always. For more legal news of interest to South Carolina businesses, join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.